This is Bigger Pockets Daily. No rest for us on a Sunday. I'm Tyler, and every day I read a different article from the Bigger Pockets real estate blog. You can listen to one of these shows each day, or you can go wild and binge through the whole catalog. This isn't a new show, and most of these articles outline concepts that stand the test of time. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. How to Calculate Cash-on-Cash Return Made Easy by Brandon Hall An investor came to me not too long ago seeking advice regarding the performance of his portfolio. He figured his portfolio was performing soundly, but wisely decided to seek a CPA's analysis to help him make investment decisions. My diagnosis? While this investor was sophisticated, he was exclusively analyzing investments by evaluating cash-on-cash return. There's nothing wrong with calculating and using cash-on-cash return. The problem arises when it's your only or primary metric. First, let's define what a cash-on-cash return is. In short, it's a quick way to analyze an investment's cash flow. Specifically, it produces a percentage that measures the perceived pre-tax cash flow relative to the amount of money invested. How to Calculate Cash-on-Cash Return Calculating cash-on-cash return is simple. We simply divide the received net cash flow for the year by the amount of cash invested. Not too bad, right? However, it's the variable annual pre-tax cash flow and actual cash invested. That can be tricky. Understanding annual pre-tax cash flow. Calculate your annual pre-tax cash flow by adding together gross scheduled rent, the property's gross rent, multiplied by 12. This reflects the maximum amount of income you can expect to receive. Any other income, 
Think about all of the other earning opportunities the property may present. Will you allow pets and receive pet income and non-refundable deposits? Do you have parking spaces available? Do you get reimbursed for utilities or charge a flat rate regarding such? Then, subtract. Actual vacancy. If you already own the property and you are wanting to produce the cash-on-cash return to understand your property's performance, you will want to use actual vacancy here. The actual vacancy should be measured by the numbers of days your property was vacant multiplied the daily rental rate. Otherwise, Use potential vacancy, which should always be a conservative number. Multiply your vacancy rate by the gross scheduled rent. Operating expenses. This ranges from insurance, taxes, maintenance, HOA and bank fees, property management, and repairs. Annual debt service. For the purposes of learning how to calculate cash-on-cash return, this number will be your monthly payment to cover both principal and interest related to your loan. This does not include insurance and taxes. Calculating actual cash invested. Now let's calculate the actual cash invested. So combine these numbers. Down payment, simply the amount of money you pay to obtain the property. Closing costs, add up your net closing costs associated with obtaining the property. To do this, add up all of the costs you paid, not including your down payment, and then subtract from that any seller or lender credits given to you. Pre-rental improvements and repairs. Pre-rental improvements and repairs includes anything you pay out of pocket to fix prior to renting the units out. This is the part where the cash-on-cash return metric loses some value. It doesn't do a good job of analyzing returns when you are injecting more cash into the asset after renting out the property. When investors should calculate cash-on-cash return. Much of the real estate industry, including investors and agents, use cash-on-cash return. Why? Because of the metrics simplicity. (laughs) Here are some times you should calculate this percentage. Number one, if you're determining how much financing to use. This number specifically drills down to the return on the capital invested. It only considers returns that are driven by the property's net cash flow and doesn't take asset appreciation into account. Because cash-on-cash return only compares net cash to the actual cash invested, it's a great way to assess the effect of leverage so you can measure different levels of financing. Using leverage decreases your cash-on-cash return. Number two, if you're looking for a simple rule of thumb, many investors are not sophisticated enough to use things like the internal rate of return, IRR, or modified internal rate of return, MIRR, MER. These two metrics can be difficult to learn and understand. Yes, they provide more insight, but also require more work. It's easy to understand how to calculate cash-on-cash returns. It's simply the physical cash you have in hand after 12 months divided by the physical cash you've invested. Because of that simplicity, it's also a great way to run a back-of-the-napkin analysis and I personally use to quickly screen potential deals. The calculation literally takes 10 minutes or less and typically gets you within 2-5% to of the actual return on equity. If you're analyzing hundreds of deals a week, something like this makes a lot of sense. Number three, 
if you're comparing multiple investments. So cash on cash return also allows you to easily compare different investments. You can compare rental property to lending, determine whether you should invest in stocks or bonds, or if you should even start a business. Granted, it doesn't consider risk factors, but the cash on cash return does allow for a universal comparison between different investments. Why cash on cash return is a bad metric. Despite the fact that this metric provides an effective back-of-the-napkin calculation, investors shouldn't rely on this number. Reason number one, it doesn't indicate your actual return. Did you really think you were going to get through an entire podcast written by a CPA without discussing taxes? Your unique tax situation greatly impacts your actual return on investment. However, some investors argue that your tax situation doesn't impact the asset's performance. It is independent of you. They believe taxes should not be taken into account. However, the tax impact of investment decisions should absolutely be assessed. Your tax situation may not impact the asset's performance, but the asset's performance directly or indirectly impacts your tax situation, and that affects your returns. Let's say your annual pre-tax cash flow is ten grand, and you invested $100,000. That's a 10% cash-on-cash return. However, if you are in the 25% tax bracket, your after-tax cash flow is $7,500, a 7.5% actual return. Further, we have to consider depreciation and amortization. In our example, if your depreciation and amortization amounts to $8,000 annually, then only $2,000 of cash flow will be taxed, making our tax liability $500, assuming the same 25% rate. Since depreciation and amortization are phantom expenses, our after-tax cash flow is $9,500, resulting in a 9.5% actual return. Reason number two, it's a bad metric. It doesn't account for equity. Yet another wrinkle. This metric doesn't take into account the equity added from the principal portion of your loan payment. That means it also assumes the entire mortgage payment is an expense. However, the principal portion of your loan payment can't be expensed for tax purposes. As you can see, because the cash-on-cash return uses pre-tax numbers and doesn't account for principal payments, the return suggested should not be trusted. Reason number three, it's a bad metric. Additional limitations. Cash-on-cash return doesn't take appreciation into account. That's why cash-on-cash return is best used for value investing and not speculation. Depending on how you invest, this could be a good or bad thing. It ignores the risk associated with investments. This metric also doesn't take opportunity costs into account, which more sophisticated investors will find alarming. And it also ignores the effect of compounding interest. Cash-on-cash cash return may make short-term investments look more appealing and make longer-term investments with a lower cash-on-cash cash return unappealing. But someone interested in an investment that compounds or appreciates may be better off taking the investment with a currently smaller cash-on-cash cash return. Let's talk about how investors should use the cash-on-cash cash return. 
The conversation I had with my investor friend led him to believe that the cash-on-cash return is a pointless metric. He then became anxious. (laughs) Had he been missing out on potentially better returns? Don't worry, I told him. Cash-on-cash return is a great metric when used appropriately. First, I wouldn't suggest using the cash-on-cash return to evaluate the performance of a property you have held for more than 12 months. Only use this number to evaluate or project the property's first-year performance. After that, the cash-on-cash return begins to lose its value because your denominator, the actual cash invested, will be constantly changing as you pay down the loan and make improvements and repairs. In this situation, I recommend using IRR. Second, use the cash-on-cash return as a screening tool to compare investments. Many people claim the 1% and 2% rules are pointless, and I'd agree. (laughs) But everyone needs a good screening tool, and the cash-on-cash return will allow you to compare investments efficiently and effectively. Lastly, use other metrics to supplement the information that the cash-on-cash return provides, specifically the IRR and MIRR. Yes, these two metrics require a bit more work, but they provide more insight into the performance of the property. So while the cash-on-cash return certainly has weaknesses, it's a great metric for value investors and serves as a solid screening tool. Using it in tandem with other metrics will provide you with plenty of information to place an offer on a property. And that's what we're all about, enabling you to grow your portfolio. Okay, that about wraps up today's show. If you're hungry for more visual content, did you know BiggerPockets has a YouTube channel? You can find series, investment property walkthroughs, live videos, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash biggerpockets or biggerpockets.com slash YouTube. Either way, see you back here tomorrow.